Today I want to talk a couple of minutes about practices that lead us to a strong inner man. And the Bible makes it very clear in Psalms 133 that uh, it's an amazing thing. It's a blessed thing. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Later on in that chapter it goes on to say that that's where God releases life forevermore. So we have to understand that God desires that we work together, not that we look exactly alike. God's not wanting to create clones. On the contrary, uh, God's very uh, dramatic. He, if, you just, if you look at snow, every snowflake is slightly different. There is no such thing as a snowflake that looks like the other snowflake. So just as something so here, now, and gone in two minutes, you put it in your hand, you see it form, and then you see it become water and dissolve. God takes that much time to make sure snowflakes are distinct, how much more each and every one of us. We look at each other, we spend most of our life trying to make people just like us, and that's a huge mistake. God never made them to be like us. He made them to be like them. Amen? Amen. And when, when they catch God's purposes for them, then they can excel as to who they were created to be, who they were called to be. The world obviously has their own ideas of who we should be. Right now, the governments of the world are trying to shape the citizens into what they want them to be, what they expect them to be. But the truth of the matter is, um, you're only going to be at your highest level of peace and joy when you are all that God calls you to be. And for that, you need a personal relationship with Almighty God through Christ. Because I, like I said the other day in a conference, you can't ask the chair, what is its purpose? If you use that chair to beat people up, it's not going to work too well because it's cumbersome. If you use that chair as a ladder, it's not going to work too well. You might fall and hurt yourself. But if you use that chair as a chair for people to sit, then obviously it's going to work well, right? But you don't ask the chair. You ask the one who created the chair. Same thing with us. When God tells us, <clears throat> son, daughter, I made you this way. I made you this way to worship me. I made you this way to glorify my name. I made you this way so we could share your journey together and, and I put things on earth uh, to bless you. When you start understanding God's heart, you realize God's not trying to keep you from having a great life. He's actually trying to keep you from harm. Absent from the manufacturer's handbook, we're left to our own design. If we don't know what we're all about, we're going to try to test and experiment and do things. We're going to go bananas. And invariably, it's not going to come out right because we have different ways of thinking. Well, I think a human should do this. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. And also, another thing, we're left to our emotions. Well, I feel good doing this, so therefore it must be good. Well, I don't feel good doing that. I'm telling you, we're all over the map. And so the more you get away from the handbook, the worse we get. Same thing. Anybody here ever built a toy trike or something like that for your children? Anybody here buy a TV and, and just start tinkering, it, tinkering with it without reading the manufacturer's handbook? You know, invariably you're going to have different parts, extra parts, and you're not going to know what this is for. And, uh, you might end up messing it up beyond repair. That's why when I get a thing, I've, I've learned always, when I get some technology or something like that, I always read the instructions first. Sometimes you have to, you know, you go to the store, you see a beautiful piece of furniture, and then when they deliver it to your house, it's in a box. It could not possibly fit in the box, but yet when you open up the box, it's like 500 pieces of wood. And some of them say A on it, some of them say B on it, some of them say D on it and F. The other day, for the building that I work at, we, we bought a, a, a nice... Um, tree, a Christmas tree for the lobby. Now the challenge is that in the lobby we can no longer have real trees. It's against the law. The fire department prohibits buildings from having trees in the lobby. So we had to get a synthetic tree. So we, went, we made sure we got a very uh, um, expensive, good-looking spruce tree look-alike. So when they delivered it finally, uh, it had parts A through G-H-I-J, and it was a 14-footer, yeah, a tree. And each piece was very heavy because on the tree, they also had the lighting and they also had parts of uh, the remote control system because you can actually turn the lights white, you could turn them colored, you know, like multicolored, white and multicolored, so it was, it was very nice. But to put it together was a pain in the neck. And then since it was 14 feet, we had to stand up on that and go like that. And then the top part 
was about 40 pounds. So when we're on large high ladders and we're going like this and we're trying to move 40 pounds like this. So, of course, your, your back is almost snapping in half. I was lucky because I was just supervising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had, I had very strong guys, young guys, young strapping men. But after was, what was that? I was just, ex I was just explaining to you what I was seeing. Jedi mind trick. So it, 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 after it was put together, it was beautiful. It was great. But man, to put it together. But we had to read the manufacturer's handbook. We could not understand this thing. Even with the handbook, it was difficult to be able to put it together because there was a lot of wiring that had to be put together. And, but thank God for the manufacturer's handbook. So there are ways that our inner man can be strengthened. And so when we go to the Bible, we can see how God made it in such a way that we, we have a very strong inner man. See, because the victories and the successes don't come from you just doing stuff. It comes from you being focused, being alert, being joyful, being excited about something, and then having to endure a process. Yes. Because in order for you to get something in hand or do something, you have to go through a process. Yes. If you right. want to lose 10 pounds, there's a process you have to go through. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, you just don't take a pill. Anybody who tells you you could take a pill and lose 10 pounds, I mean, you know, please, That's really, get over it, you know, really. No, it's hard work. It's hard work. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's hard work. You, gotta, you have to stop eating some things you're eating now, uh, Twinkies. Anyway, you know, you know too, too much stuff. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. A company bought it out. And, and those things don't get old. So uh, the other 500,000 ones they have in the factory is still saleable. They don't get old. They never get old. <laughs> if you want to learn a language, you have to buy Rosetta Stone or go to school and, and yes. do things of that nature. It takes time, you know, it, but it's a process. Everything is a process, and you have to endure the process. You have to endure moments of uh, disillusionment, uh, moments when you almost want to give up, and, and God has a way of strengthening the inner man in yes. that process. Yes. And, and one yes. thing about Almighty God is that He calls you. He said, I am calling you. I'm raising you, you up to do this. And so you get excited about the prophetic word. But he doesn't mention that moment or the process you're going to yes, have to go that's through. That's right, that's right. So sometimes, you know, you just have to take it by faith and know that God's with us. But if you know God's word about these steps and these processes, um, you'll be able to go through it and endure some of the challenges that you're going to have to experience. And most of them are inside of you. So that's why you need a strong inner man. Because your emotions will fight you every step of the way. When you want to break a habit, your biggest enemy is going to be you. I didn't get any amends. All I got was, mm-hmm. Because you know what I'm talking about. You know, if you, if you eat, uh, drink too much coffee, you need to break the habit. Who's the, who's the greatest enemy? <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, just the other day, I'm going to share this. You know I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm open to everybody. Uh, and I go through things myself. I love uh, coffee, but I dropped it because years ago when I was 28, I, I had a, a small ulcer in my stomach, and every time I drink a little coffee, it feel like it was burning. So I let it go, and I started drinking tea. So from 28, I'm 54 now, I've been drinking tea. And I love tea. I have two, three cups a day, four cups a day. I'm, I'm just very enthusiastic about tea because I like something hot in the morning. All right. The other day, about three months ago, I'm starting to get a, 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 I'm walking a little. I get a sudden rapid heartbeat. I said, what in the world's going on? And then this just kept on happening, you know, almost feeling like you're getting out of breath. I said, what's going on with me? I, you know, I'm in pretty decent shape. What, what's this happened? So it crescendoed a couple of weeks ago, coming to church. I went to the doctor, checked me out. They said, the heart's good. Everything's fine. No problem. So it crescendoed a couple of weeks ago. I'm on my way to church, but I had to run into the building a second, get something to come to church. And I got in the car. And as we made the turn, suddenly I get another one of these things. My heart's going, Man, what's going on here? You know, this is, hey, hey, behave. You know, he's getting irritated with this already. So then my wife says, you know what I think? I think that you're getting one of those spikes of caffeine in your system, a caffeine rush. And I looked at her, and as soon as she said that, I got a witness in my spirit. That's exactly what's happening. Thank God for prophetic people next to you, right? <laughs> Praise God. You know, I went to the doctor, got it checked out. Nobody ever mentioned anything about these caffeine rushes. So I remembered years ago, a good friend of mine, a pastor, was going through that. And he ended up in a hospital 
His heart was going out. I mean, all day long. So he went to the doctor and they says, you drink too much caffeine. You got to cut back on that. People don't know. You store. Your body stores caffeine. Yeah, and it releases. So what, what did I have to do? I had to purge myself of caffeine, tea. How did I let go of tea? Will you stop rushing my story? You're rushing my story here. Only a daughter would do that, right? So I let go of tea, chocolate, another thing. And I, love ch I like chocolate, but chocolate contains caffeine. So I had to go cold turkey. Now, I don't know about you. But have you ever uh, stopped drinking coffee or tea suddenly? Yes. So, of course, the next day, oh, and I'm going, just a little tea, please? So I had to go through the process. I didn't like it very much. I was, I was irritated. I had to lay back. You know, I had to take a couple of swigs of some of the stuff that my wife and I, we take natural stuff. So I had to take some of that willow tree bark. Well, it's willow tree bark. It's the alternative to aspirin. It's the safe alternative, just for your information doesn't have the side effects, but yet it st still takes away the pain because it, uh, it still has the salicylic acid inside of it. Natural. It's natural, right. Natural, yeah. And it actually works, and it works even better than aspirin. And oh, and it works a lot better than Tylenol because Tylenol, if you drink too much of it, it'll mess up your liver. So, so we, we, we're studying. So after about three days of that, I'm clean. And then I said, but I still want to drink tea. So, so I went to <laughs> decaf tea. Thank you very much. <laughs> but the process was very bothersome to me because I was already used to I had a habit of doing stuff and I had to break it so uh, God is going to give us uh, the tools and I'm going to start sharing them with you so that you could practice them you know from scripture because God has given us much in scripture so when we become scriptural we realize we have all that we need in scripture praise God so the first thing we need to understand is that the inner man needs some things. First thing it needs, it needs relationships. Say to your neighbor, we need relationships. We need relationships. So relationship is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God tells us to call him Father. He doesn't tell us to call him God. He says, call me Heavenly Father. Right. What does that imply? It implies that I'm son. If I call him Father, that means I'm his son. If you call him Father, your son, your daughter, but it's relationship. He call, he's, you look at the Godhead, you say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When he relates himself to the men of old, to his, his leaders of old, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's family with Abraham, but he's also family, uh, he's also family with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Father, son, and grandson. That means that he wants to be in relationship with you, but he wants to bless you and your children and your grandchildren. Amen. When he's thinking of you, he's already thinking transgenerationally. Amen. He's already thinking of blessing your children yes. and blessing your grandchildren. Yes. In the book of Proverbs, it says, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Why? Because he's righteous. What do you mean righteous? He's doing the right things in his generation according to the word of God, which means he's thinking transgenerationally. When we're in the world, we think singularly. What can I do Friday? I need to have me some fun on Friday and Saturday, right? So we go to our parties, we go to our bars, we do all that we do, and Sunday we're, you know, we're just convalescing. Monday we get to work with a headache because all the booze we ingested. I got a couple of malocchios right here. It's got some people looking at me with the evil eye and, and saying, hey, you know, Pastor, you're meddling now. Stop meddling. Why should you say that in the church? Because there are Christians that still drink heavy. There's still Christians that are going and partying Friday and Saturday because they need fun, lots of fun, because they're still self-centered. See, this type of message will not give me any, but you know, I am a self-motivator. So if you don't praise God, if you don't give me some, some props here, I'll give myself some props. <laughs> praise God. So we need relationship. Relationship helps us in many ways, more ways than one. We are relational human beings. God made us to need relationship. When he made Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone. See, everyone had a partner, but he didn't have a partner. All the animals had a partner, but he didn't have a partner. He says, so I'm going to make a helpmate for him. Somebody that's equal to him, but has a difference to them. And it, I'll create this mankind. I'll make him male and female. So we need relationships. God himself made us so that we can uh, not only have relationship with others, but that we need each other. Say to your neighbor, we need each other. We need each other. 
Praise God. In Psalms 133, it says that that's where the anointing flows. The unity factor has a, 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 an ability to compound the success. It is a standard fact that husband and wife living together become more wealthier than their single counterparts. Yes. As they age, as they, you know, break each other in, as they learn to deal with each other. Yeah, yeah, they break each other in. Well, I know because my wife and I, we got married at age 19. And we were kids. So after the honeymoon, how many, how many of you, know, you say honeymoon's a great thing? Yes. Yeah, I mean, honeymoon's a, a, a phenomenal, but honeymoon's too short, that's what you say? Honeymoon's a great thing. We went uh, to, uh, to uh, where was it we went to? Bermuda? We had such a... We had such fun together. We laughed together. And would you believe it? Like the third day, we were already arguing. <laughs> yeah, we were already arguing and fighting on ting tang, tung tang, ting tang, you know, all that other stuff. Next couple of years, ting tang, tung tang, ting tang. Yeah, yeah, but let me tell you, you know, we, we were able to. One of the things that helped us was our ability to talk together. You know, she always had that ability to talk to me, she always had the ability to. You know, she was, uh, man, man, did she talk. <laughs> and, she, and, and then, of course, I would talk back. And, you know, we did a lot of talking at different levels. <laughs> but yet that helped us to get to know each other. After a while, I realized, oh, I see. She doesn't like this. She likes this. She, she knows what I like, what I dislike. And now, you know, this coming Monday, we'll be married 35 years. Amen. This coming Monday is our anniversary. Amen. So, Amen. you know, uh, Monday, yeah. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, yeah. Second anniversary? Second one. We celebrate anniversaries of our second anniversary. Okay. So do me a favor. I don't want anybody calling me tomorrow. Please leave me alone. We're going to have a great time together. No, but you know, but it took us getting to know each other and talk together. But see, the relationship aspect includes that ability of understanding that she's unique. She's not the same way I am. I'm not the same way she is. So we got to know each other, respect each other. And, and that was, that's been a, a really wonderful thing. Um, but relationship, it's, that's what it's all about. But that's another thing about relationship is that when Adam failed in the garden and he sinned, he failed in his relationship with God. Think about it. All of the, the world's woes come from disobedience and relationship. My God, could it be that deep? Yes. When we fail in our relationships, everything else falls like dominoes. When we succeed in our relationships, God first, and then our wives or our husbands, if we're married, if we're single with, with you know, families and our friends, we have to understand that relationships will either make you or break you. Another thing is, dime con quien tu andas, Y yo te diré quién eres. In other words, you tell me who you're walking with, I'll tell you who you are. You have to be very careful as to who you walk with. Because there's always a, an impartation, as it were, of philosophies that are shared one with the other. And especially when you're younger, you're in school, you want to be cool or you want to be accepted. And you sometimes you pick the wrong people. Because they, you, you think they're cool, but 10 years from now, they're going to be all messed up. Yes. I look now. And especially those that are still alive, because some of the people I thought were cool back in the day are dead now right. or in prison. I would recommend you hang out with the geeks, yes. right. with the nerds, because they're going to rule the world tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, anybody, man, that, that's dealing with math and, you know, some, th- right. those are the guys going to rule tomorrow. Hug a geek, man. <laughs> But above all, your relationship with Almighty God. That is key. With these three young ladies, they spoke. All of them shared the same thing. When they came into relationship with Almighty God, it changed their life. It changed their world. And I empathize with them because I came at age 15. I knew I was going to be another statistic. Because that's all I knew. Uh, my, my parents, unfortunately, good people. But they had their, you know, they, they got into their little habits. And I learned those habits. Even at that age, I was already starting to practice some of the things my parents were practicing. And the worst thing about it is they couldn't tell me not to because they were doing it themselves. So they would tell me instead, um, if you're going to drink, drink at home. We want to see what you're drinking because we want to know that you're drinking the good stuff. 
If you're going to smoke, smoke at home. We want to make sure that you're not smoking the bad stuff. With all due respect, looking in hindsight, I think they were making a mistake. Right. See, because they themselves did not know. They didn't know that we're establishing a generational curse, as it were. Yes. Yes, yes. See, but when I came to church, when they started preaching and sharing the love of God with me, I questioned, I said, can God love me that way too? And the answer was yes. And it's funny because I didn't come to church for them to pray for me. Because I thought I was all right. Hey, I, I don't have no problem. It's my parents. They're the ones that have a problem. So I went to church, sat there, but I heard the word. Oh, yeah, I wanted them to pray for my parents because my parents were having problems. So when I got there, I heard the word. It impacted me so much, I ended up staying in the church. Yeah, amen. I ended up staying there. I ended up receiving Christ, and it changed my world because I went from guaranteed I was going to be an alcoholic. I was, I don't know, probably get sick because of all the smoking I was going to do hanging around with the wrong people, to now hanging around with spiritual fathers and mothers that started mentoring me the right way. Hallelujah. And then my head got screwed on the right way, and I started seeking things that benefited my future family. Amen. You understand? So Amen. be careful in your relationships. And if you want a strong in, internal uh, a man, you want to make sure you hang around with people that are going to help lift you up. Amen. They're going to see you the way God sees you. You understand? A lot of my friends would tell me, yeah, you know, you're not going anywhere. I'm serious. They would tell me, you're not going anywhere. We're, we're, we're destined for this. But yet when I got to the church, I said, you know, God is going to raise you up. Actually, I didn't even know what a pastor was. And my wife's mother one time looked at me. She pointed at me. She said, the Lord tells me to tell you that you're going to be a pastor one day. I said, what's a pastor? I don't know what a pastor is. I knew nothing about church. Nothing. All I knew that is you, if you enter the Catholic Church, you see a man on a cross in the front crying. He looked very sad. It was a terrible thing that they did to him. I didn't know anything about it. But after I learned that he died for me so that I could have a greater life and I could have eternal life with him, that changed my future. Amen. 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 Praise God. So the first thing, say to your neighbor, relationships, relationships. Are, important. are important. They'll make you or break you. Stress, worry, anxiety, all related emotions are rooted in having incorrect relationships or not knowing who you are. Developing a wrong set of ideals, perspectives. Today, relationships, people, they hide behind a computer and they have 5,000 friends. But yet, they don't know Maybe one-fifth of all of them, <laughs> if, if so much. So we got to get into some real relationships. How, how, uh, let me ask you a question. How are you doing with your relationships? How are you doing with your relationship with God? How are you doing with relationship with each other? And, and in your relationship, what are you doing in your relationship to make somebody else better? So it's not about just about what they can do for you. What are you doing for because you also are called to make people better, to help yes. people, yes. to give them God's word and, and to bring them higher in Christ and, and to bring them into eternal life also. Praise God. So what are we doing? One thing that strikes me is that Joshua worked with Moses, but Joshua was Moses' helper for something between, I don't know, 38 years or something like that, right? Or more. But when Moses died, who did God call to replace Moses? Joshua, the one that was in close relationship to his spiritual dad. Elijah was a great prophet. But who served Elijah? Who served with him? Who helped him? A guy named Elisha. When God took Elijah up, who do you think God called to replace Elijah? It was Elisha. And guess what? He did double the miracles that Elijah ever did. So your relationships will actually help the impartation that's upon you. And the, the future impact you'll have on others. Paul was a great apostle. And indeed he was. But do you know that there were several men that stayed close to him? Men like Timothy. Men like Titus. And if, you're, if you can see this, it's amazing because who wrote some, a part of the New Testament? Wasn't it Paul? But who else? Wasn't it Timothy and Titus? You see my point? So it's very vital that you watch who you connect with, because they will determine, they will help to determine how high you go. Amen. Or they'll put a lid on you. 
and you won't be able to go as far as you can go. Praise God. The second thing is we need to learn how to be single-minded. This world system is guaranteeing that we are all over the place. Don't you feel that when you, when you get to your, your job Monday, Tuesday, you sit down in a computer, suddenly your mind is all over the place? Uh, le let me see if you go through what I go through. I have, I don't know, 10, 15 things in my daily agenda. As soon as I get into AOL, because I need to get into my mail, right? AOL has like 500 different pieces of news, and they have pictures. And they always start out the phrase, he didn't like what ended up happening to him. She didn't know what was going to happen next. And then they go, picture one, then picture two, then picture three. Immediately, they're bombarding you. Does that happen to anybody here? Yes, yes. I've been at AOL for many, many years. And I don't want to change the name because so many people have, you know, they, they, they know me as that email. So I don't want to change it now. But I, 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 sometimes I don't catch it right away. And 15 minutes later, I'm looking. I'm going, you know, it's, it's almost like you're a zombie. Emotech, Emotech. You know, after a while, you don't know where you're at. That's the, from the Mummy the series, mummy. guys. Come on. So, so what ends up happening, I catch myself afterwards. I says, my God, I've just finished wasting 15 minutes. So I get away from that. And, and it's hard sometimes because it's so juicy. Yeah, because it's gossip. Because nothing important. Nothing at all. I read it, I go, eh, waste of time, eh, waste of time, eh, junk. It's non-news. And yet I'm so into it. And after a while I realize, my God, my, my, this thing is geared to get me out of my focus. So I have to get back, get out of that, and then activate my focus. Activate what I'm supposed to do. So people, the enemy is after your focus. Say to your neighbor, the enemy, the enemy. is act, uh, he's after your focus. He's after your focus. If he can get your focus, you'll be useless. You can't get a thing done. And the Bible makes it very clear in James chapter 1. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He cannot receive anything from the Lord. When we are not focused, we can't receive anything from God. Because we can't hear God. We're so busy with everything all over the place. And remember David. Remember King David? Remember what he was before he was King David? He was a shepherd boy. Right? The prophet comes to him while he's a shepherd boy, anoints him with oil, and says, you're the next king of Israel. Okay? Then he went on his way, and guess what, what King David started doing right after that? He kept on taking care of the sheep. For many years, that's all he did. Right? But one day, when he shows up to the battle camp, he hears this guy named Goliath cursing God, cursing all of the soldiers and the warriors. He said, who does this guy think he is? And he gets into trouble because his brothers hear what David is saying. And eventually they bring him up to the king himself. Say, so, young man, what are you talking about? He said, no, listen, king, let me take care of this guy. You don't understand. I'm a focused man. I'm focused in my relationship with God. God spoke to me and gave me a promise. Right? And I know that if I go against him, God will help me defeat him. Amen. Amen. How could you know that? Because while I'm shepherding the sheep, if a bear comes, God has given me the strength and the wisdom to tackle the bear and kill him. The lion, I've been able to tear him apart. God has been with me, and this guy's going to be like one of those. Wow. Amen. Amen. His singleness of mind and right. faith right. allowed him to conquer successively to the point. Watch this. Before he was a shepherd boy, nobody knew him. After he defeated the Goliath, everybody knew him. So if we're a single mind, what will happen is we'll run into challenges and obstacles. And each and every case, we will defeat the obstacle and we will become greater in our influence. And we will become recognized. And we will get the promotions. You want a promotion? Anybody here wants a promotion? Amen. Find a need in your job that nobody else is willing to tackle and do it. It's as simple as that. Find the needs, and while everybody else is criticizing, while everybody else is talking about it, while everybody else is saying how hard it is, you go in, pam, 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 done. Next. And you watch how they promote you. I just finished. You know, sometimes they'll pay me $5,000 to say this in a business seminar. You got it for free. True, true. That's true. That's true. That is so true. Focus. Say to your neighbor, Focus. 
That's what it's all about. Focusing on God, remembering and rehearsing His promises, knowing that He is with you, not letting the world system getting you into all sorts of things. This thing, multitasking, be very careful about it. Yes, we have things to do, but let's not lose our focus in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. The next thing, which, which I share from time to time with this congregation, but I think it's time for me to repeat it again, because of the time that we're in. The world system, the news media, the economic situation is causing in us a, a disillusionment. It's almost a, a spirit of giving up, is, is, is uh, uh, catching the hearts of many of God's people. But the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say to your neighbor, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise God. Joy is a strong emotion. And as you know, any strong emotion suddenly gives you surges of energy. Have you ever been at a point where you're serious and suddenly something makes you laugh and you, know, you become okay again? You're upset, you're, you're offended, and your friend knows you, makes you laugh, and suddenly you're laughing, and you don't even remember what you were angry about. Yes. Because joy can take you to a wonderful place. It releases endorphins, it releases reserves of energy that are already within you, because God made it that way. God said, in His Scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He didn't say joy is your strength, although joy is, because it's an emotion. Emotion can bring out added energy that you need. You know if you get upset, you get added energy, right? Isn't that true? At, at points of, of extreme, um, something extreme, like uh, maybe you see a child get stuck under a car. It, we have seen mothers that have lifted up the car just to let the child out. We've seen videos of that because there are reserves of energy within you that will only get released when strong joy is applied to your situation. The problem with joy in the natural is that we seek joy because of all the issues we're going through. So we'll go to the bars, we'll go see a movie, you know, we'll do things in order to uh, get that joy factor back, right? And here's the thing, human beings always run to stuff that makes them feel good. They want to repeat it so you get that joy again. That's why an addict continues to take the coke and the other stuff because it'll take him to that place where he or she wants to be, makes him feel good for the moment. Problem with that joy is that it goes down after a while. The joy of the Lord, however, never goes down because the joy of the Lord is based on knowledge of God, His character, His nature, and who He is. You see? So when you get to know God, it produces a joy unspeakable because you know He's Almighty God, creator of the heaven, of the earth, and the earth rather. He's your heavenly Father and He loves you. And what He did in the past for you, He's going to do it again. Amen. So you develop a joy that can't be shut down. Another thing about joy is since it's one of the great emotions, joy will always produce permanent memory. Permanent memory. What do I mean? Okay, do you remember really ridiculous, hilarious things in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll never forget it. Things that made you scared. Things that freak you out. You will always remember it. Why? Because strong joy in the body acts like glue. You understand? Boring things you won't remember. Mundane things you'll never remember. But joy will always, if something funny, if I see something, you know, you can even fall down and even hurt yourself. You'll never forget it. I remember my, my friend Ephraim Lopez, he's a, you know, you, you know, some of you know him. I remember he's making a turn on a bike from 106th Street coming down and I'm right in front of a pump and I'm just looking at the guy, I'm seeing him. He's coming around too fast. And then suddenly I see him doing this. I say, oh, this guy's out of control and he's coming right at me. And so I'm getting out of the way and suddenly I see it in slow motion. He's coming, he hits the pump full blast. I'm talking about, a, talking about about good 30, 40 miles an hour. Boom. And, and I'm over here now because I, I saw it coming. So suddenly I see him flying towards me. He falls here and slides right in front of me. And I go, safe. I was laughing too hard. So I'll never forget that. So things like that, anything that's funny, anything that's scary. So that has a double-edged sword. God said the joy of the Lord is your strength. But conversely, it could be a very dangerous thing. Because fear also has great emotion. 
So if something happened to you when you were a child that produced great fear in you, that'll affect all your relationships. It'll affect the way you relate when it comes to that certain situation. And if you don't defeat it, it'll continue throughout the rest of your life. So in order to defeat something bad that a bad emotion created a permanent memory or even a habit, now you have to apply the joy of the Lord to break that thing. And it takes time because once, and I'm going to share this with you because, you know, I've shared it here in the past, but I want to share it because some of you might not, never have heard this. Once a memory becomes permanent, it actually gets written into your brain. And, and, and the way that happens is you have billions upon billions of neurons and God created the brain in such a way where a neuron catches the uh, experience, mixes it with the emotion, makes it permanent. Because the brain sees anything, strong emotion, it sees it as, oh, oh, I have to memorize this. So the way it memorizes it, it takes a bunch of neurons and clusters it together, right? And creates the picture, the process, the emotion connected with it, right? The smell, the faces. Everything about it clusters it together, stores it in your brain, permanent memory. Every time now you go through a similar emotion, you'll always pass through that, that road. So no matter what you do, you will always go through that road. You always feel the same emotion, uh, fear of heights, a fear of people, a failure you went through, whatever it may be. So now in order for you to overcome that, you need the joy of the Lord. Yeah, I failed. Yeah, but now the Lord told me that now I'm an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that produces joy in me. And now when I go through that road, I now uh, produce what you call a conflict in my brain, in the memory, in the long-term memory. Now your brain will fight you. No, you're supposed to be scared. Well, I'm not scared anymore because God delivered me. No, but you're supposed to be scared. So you go like that for about a month or two or three or four or five or even six, maybe even a year. But little by little, that road starts disintegrating and you start creating a new permanent cluster. So that's why God told Joshua, Joshua, meditate on my word every single day and you'll make your own way prosperous. Because you'll break apart all the bad habits, all the bad tendencies, all the bad memories. And now the joy of the Lord will help you to press through and overcome all those issues that before would cause you to stop, cause you to give up, cause you to run away. But now you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Why? Because the joy of the Lord has given you the victory over habits, tendencies, thoughts that in the past would make you stop in your, in your tracks. I, I don't know if it's a good word. I don't know if anybody's responding here. But I'm sharing it anyhow. Because that's how I've been able to defeat some of the very things that I've been going through. It's been the joy of the Lord. I feel the pain. I know what I went through. Oh, but the joy of the Lord, He's with me now. I don't have to be stuck to this anymore. I don't have to be bound to this anymore. I don't have to worry about this anymore. Because my God is with me. If He's with me, Him and I, we're a majority. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah! So the joy of the Lord is my strength. Praise God. Another thing is the issue of worship. Worship is not what we do here on a Sunday only. Where we get up and we laugh and dance and, and you know, the, the, the band goes and the, the drummer. I'll tell you, we was playing that Spanish song. It brought me back 20 years. Yeah. I love that music. Yeah, that was great. And a little while I was going to start jumping up and down. <laughs> worship is a lot deeper than that. Worship is a recognition that the one you're worshiping is greater than you. Yes. That he is worthy yes. of that recognition, yes. of that honor. Yes. And we as human beings, we're created to worship. Yes. We are created to worship Almighty God. Amen. We are supposed to be in that atmosphere where we walk with him, understanding he is greater than us, he's our creator, but he's also our heavenly father, and he loves us. Adam walked in the garden, and the presence of God was there. And he talked to God freely, openly. What messed them up was the sin, was the disobedience. But in reality, this issue of worship is very pertinent because human beings were created to worship. And if we don't understand that, we begin to worship things. We worship statues. We worship other people. America's idol. Some people worship idols. And they're human beings and they're teenagers that have a nice voice. Other people worship sports figures. Some of you right now, if there was a sports figure that would enter there or a singer, a very well-known come, you'd get out of your chair, 
forget about your worship, forget about hearing the word of the Lord, go over there and ask for an autograph. Yeah, some of you will go so crazy. Yeah, I remember the, remember the Beatles? Yes. My God, you ever seen those girls go crazy? And some of the guys too, man. I felt like going slap, 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 slap all of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, what's the big deal? They're just regular singers. That's what they are. Happen to have a lot of money, but they're just normal people. But we worship people in the absence of understanding Almighty God. In the absence of understanding the importance of worship and that relationship, we worship the lesser instead of the greater. So we've got to get back to true worship, but worship by knowledge. Because most of us worship by emotion. Oh, if, if I can worship this thing, this stone, or this statue, that statue might deliver me and set me free. So you feel good in worshiping that stone, or you feel good in worshiping a book or a person, because they make you feel good, right? But those that know God understand that emotion is not a good indicator of your worship. Amen. Amen. We shouldn't worship by emotion. We should worship by knowledge. Yes. Amen. When we get to God's word and we find out who he is, then our worship, although it might include emotion, it might include tears, it might include joy, it might include sadness, whatever it may be, when I lift up my hands to Almighty God, I'm not worship him, worshiping him because I'm happy. I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping him because of who he is. Right? See, that's the difference between the average person that would run away and a Daniel who refused to stop worshiping, even though they threw him into the uh, lion's den. The three young men, the three young Hebrews, they threw him where? Into a, a fiery furnace, and yet even before they threw him in, they said, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace unless you worship my statue. They said, no. Even if God doesn't deliver us, we know who he is, and we know who you are, and you are not God. And they threw him into the furnace, and what happened? The angel of the Lord walking inside the furnace protected them. And the king is watching and observing, and the guys weren't burning up. Even the guys that threw them in got burned up and died. But they're walking around, and he says, but I see a fourth one in there, and he looks like the son of God. And they came out, the Bible says, they weren't burned, they weren't singed, their clothing was complete, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because they worshipped the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Amen. There are too many Christians that worship emotionally. And the problem is that the day you don't feel good or, or the day you feel offended or feel angry, you won't worship anymore and you'll get offended and let that emotion take you to a place that you shouldn't be. See, the Bible says you can get angry, again, strong emotion, but sin not. If anger takes you to a place where you sin, what does sin mean? mean? It means missing the mark. When you start missing the mark because of your emotion, when you start getting away from your worshipful attitude with Almighty God, when you get away from the joy of the Lord, you're missing God, and you're also missing your place of authority. Amen. You have an authority. God has given you a place in the world. And he's given you an anointing, he's given you a gifting. It doesn't belong to anybody else, it belongs to you. And the enemy who's a master of, human, of humanity, he's been with us since the beginning. He knows what ticks us off. He knows just the right button to push to try to get you out of your place of peace. He can't get you out of it, he can only tempt you to get out of it. You understand? So he throws these little things at you which he knows get you out of your place of peace. And if you listen to it, if you're not in that place of worship, because that worship is a recognition of who he is and who you are in relationship to him. Come on. See my point? So if the enemy comes at me with something and I say, oh, I'm getting tempted here to get out of my place of authority, I have to say, Satan, get thee behind me. Amen. Why? That's what Jesus did. So I, I learned from him. He's my master. He's the best example. He's my leader. When the enemy came to tempt him, he said, get thee behind me. Because I'm going to fulfill his purposes. He said, he said, it doesn't make a difference what you want to give me. Men shall 
not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, so Jesus was very word-based in his ministry. So what is the enemy trying to get you to do? You reject that. You go with, with the word. You go with the one that you worship, almighty God in Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on. Give him some praise. We, we say we love God, but you know, love is a very fickle thing. There are different levels of love. You've got estorgos. Estorgos is pretty much just a passive kind of love. I can love my car. I can, I can see a little child. Oh, I just love children. But there's no commitment there. The worship that we give Almighty God has commitment attached to it because it's the highest level of love, which is agape. It's I love him because of who he, is, who he is. Whether he ever gives me anything or not, I still love him and I'm still going to worship him. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing is knowing your purpose and knowing your place in God. If you know who you are, there's no longer any challenge. I, I don't have to fight with anybody to be better than them. I am a unique individual. I have a worth that's special before God. So I've learned that Victor needs not to try to be better than him or her or just like him or better than him or better than her. No, I just need to be the best me that God made me to be. So as I relate to God, as I, re as I operate in the joy of the Lord, as I operate in that worship that I recognize him, who he is in my life, now I know he's my creator. He's the one that made me and he also has given me a special anointing, a special uniqueness about myself. So I just need to understand what that is and be the best one I'm called to be. Amen. See my point? So when I, once I know who I am, I don't any longer have a pressure to make you feel happy or try to satisfy you. I just have to be who I am. Amen. Many Amen. times Amen. Jesus would walk, Jesus, can you come here? Nope, I have no time for that. I, I come here for a purpose. For this purpose, I've been called. He knew who he was. Yeah. And that's, it makes your life easy because there are things now you can say no to because that's not part of your purpose. There's things that you have to say yes to because that's part of your purpose. You see? So we have to pray to God fast, you know, in His presence. Ask Him who you are and get to know who you are as He shows it to you. He'll give you a vision, a, a snapshot, a, perfect, a pro prophetic snapshot of who you are. And so what will happen is you'll walk your, your life in peace, the peace that passes understanding. That's another thing. Many people don't understand what peace is. They think that peace is the absence of any conflict around them. No. When Jesus was in the boat, right, he went to the back and he fell asleep. A storm arose, and what do the guys start to say? They start to say, oh my God, we're going to die here. But that, that's impossible because Jesus had told them from the beginning, we're going to the other side. When Jesus uttered a word, it was fact. It was the word. Then we're going to get to the other side because he's faithful. But they're saying, we're going to die, we're going to die. And they woke him up, Jesus, we're going to die. There's a storm. He went, ye of little faith. And he went and he stopped the storm. And he probably went back to sleep. <laughs> he was calm in the midst of conflict. Right. He was calm in the midst of a storm. So true peace is not the absence of conflict. True peace is a knowing, a quietness. It's just a revelation knowledge that you have on the inside that no matter what is going around you, God is with you, He is for you, and if there's a problem, He's going to help you walk through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because you, my God, are with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I need to understand that it'll make my inner man strong and I'll be at peace even though there's conflict all around me. And God is able to turn that conflict around. A matter of fact, wherever you see great conflict, there's also great opportunity. Wherever you see great conflict, somebody's going to rise up, come and take care of that situation, and he or she becomes the hero. So conflict is a great opportunity to let your light shine. Great time to get a promotion. Great time to let the love of God, the grace of God, the power of God to shine through you. Amen. So in conclusion... Thank you that nobody said amen, because, you know, sometimes you guys go, amen, glory to God. Pastor's finishing the message. In, the, in, in, conclusion, in conclusion, some of the practices, I didn't get to all of them, but some of them, relationships, being single-minded of purpose, making sure that the joy of the Lord flows, not just joy, because there are things in this world that can make you happy for a moment, but the joy of the Lord is eternal. Worshiping, 
But worshiping with knowledge, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And the peace of God that passes understanding. Hallelujah. Are we practicing that? We have to actively practice that in our lives. Next week, I'll give you a couple of more. So you could add to your arsenal. Because times are confusing today. You're going to hear a lot more crisis, a lot more calamity. I'm expecting that this summer is going to be filled with a lot of headlines. Yes, it is. I am not certain that we are not going to have a, crisis, a financial crisis this summer. We just might have another financial crisis. The market is shooting up very quickly, but it's all inflated based on the feds throwing funny money at it. What happens is when you get the perfect storm and different parts of the world have crises, like the Cyprus crisis the other day, it can create a sudden downturn of financial events in the short term. And what will happen is God's people, by knowledge, will be able to ride that and even make money during that time. Amen. You're looking at me funny now. Amen. Oh, yeah, because when... Do you know that during the time of the Great Depression, many millionaires were created? Because they were properly positioned. So that when the market went down, they shorted the market and made millions. Oh, yeah. So if you understand what's happening on a global scale, you're like the sons of Issachar. You'll be primed and pumped and know what to do even when these crises hit. Some of the small things you could do just to be at peace. Save some money, put it underneath the mattress. Yeah, the mattress anointing. You're like, our fathers and mothers do it. You always keep two weeks to a month. Stash it away in case there's a problem, in case a sudden bank holiday, you have some money to tide yourself over until, the, the, until they fix it in, in, you know, in the global places, so to speak, right? Amen, amen. Make sure you pay off all your credit cards. That's a very important thing. Start the process. Don't wait till the crisis, because if you wait too late, when the crisis hits, it'll, it'll, it'll take your peace away from you. Right. Oh, no man, but to love them. Manage Make sure at the end of the month you can meet all your bills. Don't, don't spend more than what you can afford. That's a lie of the devil, and he wants us. The Bible makes it very clear that those that owe are servants. It's a type of slavery to keep you for the rest of your life in indentured slavery. Slavery. I got my words mixed up. Slavery. So I said I'm going to close, so let me just close. But next week, I'll talk to you a little more about that because I want you to be strong. I want you to be joyous in the summer months. And when these things happen, you're going, so we knew it was going to happen and we're ready for it. And we're going to get right through it like everything else. Because our God has given us wisdom and we're going to process it. Amen.